Welcome to the Feel and Find Equine podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Stevens, and we are back in the podcasting season. I appreciate your guys' patience throughout the summertime. I get really busy seeing client horses and working on horses that I don't have a ton of time for podcasting, Um, but we are back and with a very special guest. Um, Today's guest I actually met a couple weeks ago when I went down to Arizona for a clinic and uh, I met her there and I've learned already so much from her and I think that you guys will learn a lot from her as well. It's kind of neat because I actually was able to post on my stories um, about a week or so ago and have you guys write in questions on if you could ask a barefoot trimmer anything, what would you ask? And so today we actually get to talk and I get to ask Aubrey all those questions. Uh, Aubrey is with Sustainably Balanced Equine and she is a balanced equine barefoot trimmer. So I'm really excited to talk to her today and I think you guys will learn a lot. So let's get started with kind of the history. How did you get started as a barefoot trimmer and what was your progress for that? Yeah. And first of all, thank you so much, Morgan, for having me on. I'm super excited to do this. Um, I've never recorded a podcast before, so fun adventure. Um, But the reason why I got started barefoot trimming was I actually bought a barefoot horse. I had never had one before in um, she's a BLM Mustang. So I was like, okay, we'll leave her barefoot. Like Mustangs have good feet, right? Well, I hired a barefoot trimmer and, um, she was just really weird with her. Like she didn't want to stand. She didn't like the host stand, like among other quirks that she has just, I think she hadn't had proper hook care for a really long time. So I ended up hiring a different barefoot trimmer who had a better reputation with Mustangs. And, um, able to make some good progress on her feet she has really upright feet they're not clubby but like just um a different type of hoof that sometimes is not the easiest to trim especially if the horse doesn't stand still right right um so I hired him um he started encouraging me to rasp her feet in between so I was like okay cool yeah I can do that like that'll be something like fun to do bonding with my horse and stuff and I ended up slowly over time becoming just obsessed, like just tracking her progress, taking thousands of photos, like just making sure, okay, are we on track? Okay. Ask him questions about what I saw, send him photos and stuff. Um, And eventually by the time that I was like hoof obsessed, I started working at this barn and I saw that they had been using a farrier that did like your typical flat pasture trim. Okay. So, um, I saw that like it wasn't really helping the horses out because what they used the horses for at this barn was actually hippotherapy. So they put disabled children on to ride and um, be influenced by the horses that way, whether it's for occupational, physical, or speech language pathology therapy. Um, So I actually started to do a little bit of maintenance on their horse's feet because I was like well if that guy is trimming then I can help them out make them more comfortable where I see things and um eventually once the season came to an end because I'm in Arizona it gets really hot they don't do it from the months of like May to October just to keep kids and horses cool um I ended up starting apprenticing with my mentor David Landerville and 
the best or the the best the rest is history sorry I'm like seriously so excited <laughs> I no, can't speak <laughs> no, you're good you're good that's awesome that's really cool um so some of these questions that I'm going to we're going to kind of ask you it's actually kind of cool um a lot of my followers from my social media kind of put in these questions and so um it's kind of neat that that they were able to form that so what is something that you feel that um, horse owners should know about their horse's feet? Um, honestly, I think the best thing that everybody should take away for their horses is that movement is what develops good feet alongside a frequent balance trim. Like you want to get your horses moving as much as possible because horses evolved over millions of years to be moving multiple miles a day. like across various terrains through water through rocks like everything um and what that did was it developed a system that actually pumps blood through their leg and circulates um basically every single leg circulates blood through the rest of the body so if you're having your horse stand around or like if they're just in a dry lot and being fed and watered in the same spot it can be really detrimental because they're not getting adequate circulation that builds their foot I see yeah that's really interesting that's really cool um so how do you define proper angle of the coffin joint okay so this one um coffin joint angle is a little bit um interlinked with the angles of the other like long and short pastern bones of the foot so I interpreted this to be as like hoof pastern axis or hoof pastern angle depending on what you want to call it but um it depends on a lot of different factors but as kind of like a working definition for myself I see it as a marker for each individual horse's comfortable joint alignment of the distal bones so basically that's p1 p2 and p3 being aligned in as straight a line as possible to help transfer energy and um weight dispersal like for movement so um because the hoof capsule grows out from the leg essentially we want that to match the bone structure in order to support like the boning column of the leg and ensure accurate weight um my gosh I'm like moving my hand trying to think (laughs) of the word um accurate weight distribution that's the word um So like ideal pastern axis is what allows those bones, like I said, to be in a straight line. And then that informs actually how the hoof grows down. So then the hoof will grow down and match the angle of the pastern. Um, And then there's also the pathological HPA. So if there's the broken forward, that's typically like your club foot. So that pushes the coffin bone backwards and then the P2 over the coffin bone. Okay. So usually that's like club foot or like contracted tendons in a full and stuff. And then there's the broken back axis, which puts the coffin bone into usually a negative angle or a zero angle to the ground. And that creates a long toe and um, underrun heels. I see. Okay. That's really interesting. How cool. Um, so I think that cracking is probably something that we've all 
at least I have dealt with owning horses. So do you have best tips, advice for uh, horses that get a lot of cracking in their hooves? So from what I see in most of my clients, like cracks that are in like the bottom, like two inches or so of the hoof can usually be trimmed out, like with a good frequent balance trim cycle. Because basically what happens when it's cracking is the dead material is being pulled away from the hoof wall and it's starting to separate and crack and that can go up into the lamina and cause white line and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but if you get your trim cycle dialed in, it can actually encourage them to grow out. Like we were talking about with the HPA, like if there's not being um, pressure put onto the coriums of the hoof that grow all of the um, hoof horn that we see on the outer hoof capsule, um, it won't crack because then it's nice and healthy tissue. Um, I have some more notes on this because I felt that it was important to also address the diet because Mm -hmm. the diet can also influence hoof growth. Um, obviously if you're not providing materials that build the cells like, um, copper and zinc and, the amino acids, lysine, threonine, and methionine, it's not going to be able to grow an optimal hoof because you're putting out essentially keratin, just the same as like our hair and nails. And um, if the cells don't have proper nutrition to grow like that nice cell tissue, it can also cause cracking too. And usually that'll be seen like throughout the entire hoof and they're almost superficial, like they'll call them grass cracks sometimes I've seen. Um, And then also one more thing about cracks is like pathological cracks. Like if your horse is like degloved itself or like it had an abscess and there's a crack in the hoof because it's growing out from the cornet band Um, or like ones that come from like a crina, like the dip in the coffin bone at the front of the toe. Um, Sometimes those won't ever grow out properly depending on how much of the corium is damaged Mm. so those are kind of a case by case like you'll want to work with a veterinarian get x-rays make sure like your farrier is doing what's necessary to help support the growth to hope (laughs) the growth to hope the (laughs) to grow proper material and um sometimes they'll never go back to like before the accident um but I definitely have seen in some cases, like I've been able to get cracks to grow in closer together, but even though the corium is da- so e- even though the corium is damaged, we can actually repair it somewhat to the best of the horse's ability. I see. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, with your clients, is that something that you uh, need to address a lot, like their diet? Is that something that you deal with, or do you refer out? for that um I usually refer out um I'm not like a huge diet guru like I don't really know much about it I just know like what I've done for my horses and stuff and yeah um just based on what I know and then what I can refer to clients like just like what I've told you now um I've seen that it does help and I would say that like the frequent balance trimming is crucial like if you don't have that and you have a great diet and like your farrier is doing something that's not encouraging the hoof to grow properly it's still gonna crack 
Yeah. Okay. Totally. So I know you talked about this a little bit earlier um, with like the trim cycles and things. Does that depend per horse on what their trim cycle will look like? Or is it usually pretty average on how often they need done? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's something like in the farrier world, that's like um, kind of a controversy because it's like, oh, this person's horse needs like maybe like three weeks to grow out their um, distorted hoof capsule. And then they have another horse that could go six weeks. So you're like, what do I do? This horse really needs my help, but the other horse is fine. And I can't come back a million times because I'm driving all over the place. So sometimes the in those cases the decision might be to be like okay we'll just go with four and then meet in the middle for a happy medium but it really depends on how much movement your horse is getting like if they're wearing their own foot and then also um like if they're being used a lot okay it can also wear their foot so like depending on the terrain your arena is and stuff so it definitely does influence and it's a case-by-case thing so like with each client, I kind of just evaluate and I'm like, okay, it's looking like they're wearing more. We can move them out further or we need to bring them in because I'm seeing stuff that could be corrected like a week previous. But because right. I'm not out there, then I'm just maintaining where they're at instead of making progress toward a better balanced hoof for them. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so do you usually I know you said with your own horse you had this experience of where your uh trimmer wanted you to kind of do some rasping in between do you ever recommend that for your clients like do you teach them yeah definitely okay and anybody who's interested I'm like yes like get on it I feel like more horse owners need to be able to at least recognize like when a crack is a problem or like when they need to call their farrier out like can you come out a week sooner because my pony is starting to grow out way too much or whatever. Like, I feel like the more knowledge that horse owners have, the more empowered they'll be and the better off their horses will be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's neat because, um, I have a horse who foundered recently and, and, uh, we used your recommendation of getting a barefoot trimmer and he's actually a founder specialist out and he's having us do, every two to three week raspings on the horse. And it's interesting how much of a difference I've already felt like it's made, even just doing that and keeping him, you know, to where it's kind of like clipping your fingers. I feel like none of us go eight to 12 weeks on clipping our own fingers, you know, or they crack or break. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, totally. Well, and if you think about it, like if you were walking around and like over time, your heels got higher and higher and higher as you were walking, you're like, oh my gosh, it's been eight weeks and my calves are sore as heck because I've been walking around. Like, I honestly always think about like when I get blisters on my feet or like if my shoes aren't supporting me adequately, like I feel bad for the horse because their coffin bone and relative to the rest of their skeleton is pretty small. So like, They've got like this tiny, tiny little hoof capsule at the end of their leg trying to support their body. And I think the the least we can do for them is to encourage their hoof to grow in properly. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, so 
what do you recommend for helping horses who get thrush or chronic thrush, especially horses that are maybe in swampy areas or mud? I know this time of year, at least where I'm at, we're getting a lot of moisture and so it's very muddy. So do you have any recommendations for things uh, to do with thrush? Yeah. So first of all, shout out to all of the farriers who trim in swamp land. Like, I don't know how anybody could do that. I don't think I could manage. Um, I live in a pretty dry area most of the year. We do have like a wet, dry, wet, dry season um, when the monsoons come around. So I kind of see it, but I don't, I don't really have an inkling of what it's like to trim <laughs> out there. But um, in my experience for thrush, like the best treatment is non-caustic so um you would want to use like desitin which is like athlete's foot cream or like oregano oil diluted with a carrier oil and then um sealed in with like artemud or something else like a a hoof clay just to like keep the treatment in there um is a really good thing you can do and then also frog trimming like I know a lot of farriers don't trim the frog but I've noticed that like when I've experimented and left the frog alone, they tend to get more thrush trapped in between all the dead layers. So just really keeping them cleaned up. And again, like frequent trims help a lot because then there's nothing dead for the, the fungus and bacteria to get trapped into. Yeah. Um, and then another thing about the diet with thrush is um, recent studies have shown that like excess iron can actually cause thrush and um excess sugar in the diet sugar and starch so if you have them on like a forage-based diet with like a ration balancer that has those copper zinc and amino acids and stuff that can help balance out the diet part of thrush yeah okay that's really neat i know uh when we used to live in arizona it was wonderful because i never had to deal with any any mud or any moisture and yeah I feel so bad for for people who have to to deal with that now I now I have an understanding so oh yeah totally and we do get another type of thrush here which is desert thrush but it's like nothing to do with like the black yucky ick that comes with mud and moisture and also desert thrush is treated the same way as the other types. really interesting yeah yeah, that's cool. I hadn't even heard of that. Um, so for horses that maybe are wanting to transition to barefoot, do you recommend using boots or how does that, how does that work with you and your clients? Yeah, typically. So if they're, um, like an extreme rehab case, I've seen the most results with the easy boot clouds. Um, then you can order their little like blue wedge pad to go inside. And those help provide like adequate support and cushion when the horse doesn't have a lot of sole or like a lot of hoof wall, especially if they've been in shoes for a really long time, their feet are going to be more tender once you pull them off. And um, that's a good way to, to support them. But one thing about the boots that can be a downside is um, they can't be left on for like days at a time without being cleaned out because they can get super icky inside. Yeah. And then you'll be dealing with thrush on top of an already thin foot and that's kind of a problem. So 
another thing I've done to transition horses is also use um, glue-on shoes. I like the Easy Care Versas. They're a urethane shoe, and that can help like minimize the the fungusy part of hoof boots. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was a great segue into the next question. Um, this might even be the most controversial question, um, but what is your opinion on steel shoes versus the Easy Care uh, plastic shoes? Yeah, so totally, this is like total disclaimer. This is my opinion and what I've seen as a trimmer. Lots of people, lots of different situations. I don't think everybody needs to take their horse barefoot or put their horse into plastic shoes. Like you do you, but um, I believe that hooves are made to expand and contract with the weight of the horse. And it's a very delicate energy dispersal system. So anything can throw that off, whether it be like something up high in the shoulder, something tendon, ligament damage, whatever. And I believe that adding something to that, like nailing on something that is made to not expand really does a lot of damage. So um, most commonly what I see with like a traditional open back steel shoe is actually that the whole back of the foot gets pushed through the bars because the hoof isn't allowed to expand and contract the way that it's supposed to. It actually deforms and kind of atrophies the structures in the back of the foot for um like the weight not weight the um concussive absorbing structures um so this creates a a super bad dynamic in my opinion that actually restricts circulation through the foot so the hoof can't grow as well and as neat as it would so essentially everything as soon as it grows out it dies in a steel shoe and I just like I think they're obsolete especially with what we have now and um I love the versas like I said yeah I typically use them with super fast which is an acrylic glue um it's it can be pretty costly but easy care is actually coming out with more options to make it cheaper on both client and farrier um, that can be applied with super glue. So super excited for that. But yeah. Um, what I love the most about them though, is that they actually deform under pressure. So instead of like a steel shoe being rigid and unable to flex underneath the hoof somewhat, they can somewhat, but it's not anywhere near like a plastic or composite material. So that helps the horse like use their hoof properly. And it's also not, um, damaging the wall by putting nails through it which can also kind of leave openings for more bacterial and fungal infections so yeah I mean that's just my opinion as a barefoot person like obviously everyone needs to do what's best for their horse in some areas it's really difficult to get plastic shoes or even have a farrier to apply them so I totally understand and can relate to people who like are basically forced into steel shoes or just like want to keep using their horse and they don't want to like open Pandora's box of like, if I pull his shoes, is he going to be lame? Like, am I going to be able to ride him? Whatever. So totally. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely so many factors for sure. Um, have you had a lot of experience with 
the easy care shoes being used in like performance and trail? Like, do you find that they hold up pretty well for all that? Um, I don't have any personal experience with it because most of my clients are just like either pasture pets, light trails, like nobody's competing and stuff. But um, on easy cares, Instagram and stuff, they talk about using them for endurance races, dressage, like all sorts of super crazy cool stuff. And like the tread is lasting on them for a lot longer than like a steel shoe. So you can pull them off and then reset them after you've done your full endurance race and stuff and not have to purchase another pair of shoes, which I think is super cool. Yeah, that is awesome. That's way cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I've seen some of the the super glue stuff that they're they're coming out with. And so I think that that's really cool and will be a really good option for people as well. Um, if they, or maybe even a good time to start looking into it because it seems like it's a pretty, pretty cool, neat thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And also like, um, I have seen some stuff about like certain glues being carcinogenic, which obviously like industrial materials, we're not really like that good about keeping ourselves away from stuff that's cancerous or harmful to us, whatever. Um, so I'm super excited for the super glue for like myself as a trimmer. So I'm not like exposing myself to those materials and like gluing myself to the mat and stuff or whatever. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Have you, have you, have you done that before? Yeah, I haven't glued myself to like the ground, but I definitely glue my fingers together, glue all over my pants, like all over my shoes. It's just everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I bet it gets pretty messy. Oh, that's hilarious. Cool. Well, uh, for people who are listening and, and maybe in your area to where can people find you, follow you on social media? How do they get in contact with you if they have questions about their horse, anything like that? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is sustainably balanced equine and my Facebook page is currently sustainably balanced equine hoof care, which will probably change in the future because I'd like to add different services like body work and other things that aren't just hoof care. But yeah, um, yeah, all my info is on both those pages. Like I have my business cards linked in the photos and stuff. So the easiest way is to either like Facebook, Instagram, DM, or text message me because a lot of the times phone calls like just get kind of swept to the wayside especially if I'm under a horse I'm not just going to answer a phone call so right yeah awesome cool well thank you so much for joining me today yeah thank you so much Morgan it was a pleasure to be on I absolutely loved everything that Aubrey had to say, and I hope that you guys learned so much from her as well. Be sure to check her out on her Instagram and Facebook, and if you're in the Arizona area and looking for somebody to take a look at your horse's feet, Aubrey would be your gal. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, and be sure to write us a five-star review. It really helps us out and get our podcast out there, and tell me what you thought about this episode and what your favorite thing that you learned from Aubrey was, or maybe something that you're going to try. Thanks. See you guys next time.